It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, hello again, everybody. Welcome in. Great to have you along for the ride today. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on uh, this fine radio station, ninety four three, the game, and the IBX uh, Media app, also uh, where you can find us, ninety four three, the game dot com. We're streaming live. Great uh, to have you along this afternoon. We're also on all of our video uh, platforms. So uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, to you. Uh, some, uh, sad news to bring you, uh, and, and, uh, it's a developing story as we come on here and greet you on this, uh, 14th day of February, uh, five o'clock in the afternoon. But, uh, apparently, uh, there was a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs celebration parade today. Not just any shooting, but, uh, what is being termed a mass shooting. Uh, one person dead. And, uh, this happened during the Chiefs victory celebration. The number injured, uh, I've seen as much as 15, and uh, there are reports out there that apparently uh, two people are in custody and some fans helped with the apprehension of the suspects. Uh, however you slice it, it is a, uh, uh, it is, uh, a mass shooting, sure, uh, but uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. I, I think... Um, um, you know, we, we don't know if this was intended to be carried out to, to wipe out as many people as possible, if it was some kind of beef among people. Uh, but nonetheless, multiple people shot and one dead in the parade in Kansas City. So, uh, unfortunate, uh, stuff out there to taint that celebration. Uh, also, uh, happening and, uh, Philip R. Pilkington, by the way, is our producer today. Um, maybe you could explain this one to me, Pilk, as far as Super Bowl goes, but I guess Steve Wilkes is no longer the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah, that was odd to me. Um, this is a team that raked eighth in the league this past year in total defense. I think they were first in pass defense. Um, obviously, you know, the Super Bowl didn't go how they wanted it to go, but they did a heck of a job keeping Patrick Mahomes tamed for most of the game. So I don't know if there was well, some you, behind the scenes stuff that went on or there was, that's you, interesting. You held, you held the Chiefs to 19 points in regulation. Right? Yeah. That should get you a victory. So I don't think the problem in the Super Bowl was the defense. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it was the defense. No. They got some three and outs early, and the offense only had three points in the first few minutes of the game when they had some big missed opportunities. I think, and I can't remember the specific situation, but remember where there was a late, maybe it was in the fourth quarter, it had to have been, a timeout taken by San Francisco because apparently uh, Shanahan didn't like the way the defense looked at the time? Yeah, I remember what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, I know these things happen, I don't want to read too much into it, but I just found that was kind of an odd timeout. And then the way it was explained was a little odd. I don't know. Well, what I what I saw from that is they were in cover zero. Um, there was a lot of pre snap movement from the Chiefs. 
It was down around the goal line. They must have thought that some mesh pattern or some sort of pick play was coming and they wanted to get into a zone. That's all I could, you know, get from yeah, just but, I mean, quick, you know. But, I haven't gone back and watched but, it. That's all I've got. Right, but, I mean, didn't you find that kind of weird at the time? I mean, yeah, but when you look back on it. I mean, Shanahan, Shanahan seems so hands-off defensively. Yeah. But when you look back on it, I mean, you, yes, that could be the reason, like, there was clearly those two weren't getting along. I hope that's what you're going with this, because I don't think it cost them the yeah, game, yeah. because no, if no, no. anything, it gave Patty less time to score, because there was a timeout called. So, and I, that wasn't on the last drive, but yeah, th- that's a good point. He's very hands-off, and clearly there was some communication issues, and still one play? I mean, one timeout yeah. wasn't even a play. The play never happened. That's... I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Um, sh- we'll have another Super Bowl note here in a moment. Uh, Shane Winkler's going to be with us today. Uh, ECU softball coach, they won in dramatic walk-off fashion yesterday. The former Conley Viking, Anna Sawyer, uh, with a uh, three-run hit uh, to win the game in walk-off fashion in the seventh. Pilk, were you still there? Did you made it at that point and stuck it out, or did you just come in and done your uh, – you're, you're touring, kissing babies, you're shaking hands, and then split at that point. Nope, I stayed. Scooter left me, but I stayed. Scooter left you? Yeah, he said he had to go test baseball equipment. But he was done in time. He could have came back and caught the end of that game. Okay, well, he missed a heck of an ending. It was not the greatest game for six and a half innings, thanks to my friend Courtney Layton, who worked alongside me for ESPN+. Plus and good broadcast. We enjoyed it, uh, and it was nice to see Anna Sawyer, who is... Uh, such a special player and a big player to get locally uh, that it uh, that it worked out. Um, so yeah, Shane Winkler coming up in a little bit. Also, um, we'll come back to one Super Bowl note again in a minute. But Blake Prohl, I got this note earlier this morning. Uh, Blake Prohl, who left the program early to go, pro, I think he's with the Vikings for a little bit with the practice squad, right? Right. Yeah, he had spent bit. some time injured. For sure, but he was on the Vikings. But he then launched a singing career. I guess that's what I'm taking from this. <laughs> I think Ben B. Baby Byram was excited about this singing career. Um, so he launched this career as a musician, and uh, he's going to be on American Idol on Sunday. I guess trying out American Idol, still a thing. Who knew? Who knew? A good producer, Pilk, would have had some Blake Pearl music. Or I'm have sorry. it ready going to break. Yeah. Or the American Idol theme. Or the American Idol theme going to break. Who knows? Or some music from our next guest. Our next topic. Excuse me. T Swift. Now yesterday we theorized, or is it Monday? No, it was yesterday because we, the ratings, were the ratings in Monday by the time we? No, they weren't yet. Okay. So we theorized on the show yesterday that, uh, Taylor Swift did she have, it was the, it was the most watched Super Bowl ever, one of the most watched events on TV ever, maybe the most watched TV event ever. We theorized if maybe Taylor Swift was the reason, cause last year they had 115 million people watching. That's no, nothing, no number to sneeze at. What was it on Fox last year? And we were theorizing, does this mean that, uh, Taylor Swift dragged in nearly 10 million more people? So, uh, this is from Joe Pompliano. Uh, I write a newsletter breaking down the money and business behind sports to more than 120,000 people. That's Joe Pompl- Pompliano's claim to fame. Uh, 
We need to get him on the show then. And he uh, tweets out today on X. Female viewership, ages 12 to 17, for the Super Bowl, up 11%. Female viewership, ages 18 to 24, up 24%. Women who represented 47.5% of the total audience for this year's Super Bowl, an all-time high. And he is crediting uh, Sports Media Watch for, I guess, those numbers. He calls it the Swift Effect. So, Pilk, you were saying T-Swift was responsible for this, and I was a little bit dubious about the whole thing. But apparently, Pilk, you were right on some level. You're never going to hear me say that again. <laughs> you were right, Pilk. But you were you were correct on some level there, Philip the Ref Pilking. Well, you know what we can all be correct on? It's the fact that sports now have gone more into trying to bring in new fans that will never become loyal fans, that are just temporary fans, than they are in keeping us, the loyal fans, happy. We've seen it with NASCAR doing dumb things, some of which political, other which just other dumb things. We've seen it with the NFL political, and other dumb things now. And they are more into getting in temporary fans than keeping us happy. And the reason why is because we're just so darn loyal. No matter how many times they tick us off, we still keep going back. We all just I need to guess band together and rebel, but we'd have to get too many to rebel right. because they're so into getting niche people for a temporary period of time. You know, the NFL is supposed to be a non-profit. I just want everybody to remember that. Yeah, non-profit <laughs> my booty. Uh, speaking of uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington, uh, we were going to do the show tomorrow from the uh, arena, and it just is not going to work out with uh, the timing of some of our pregame meetings for TV and meeting with the Wichita State coach. So uh, instead of trying to juggle that and make that work, uh, Pilk, I'm going to yield to you and let you uh, host the program tomorrow. Um, so uh, we, we need to get Scott Shook on. Do I need to drop Shook a note? Remind me to do that. I'll drop him a note tonight and say, hey, can you can you appear tomorrow? Because you, 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 when you mentioned Daytona and NASCAR, or NASCAR, that made me think of Daytona, which is this week. Oh, goodness, and, Patrick. Uh, you're gonna let Shook come on with me. It's gonna end up being a whole NASCAR show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, all the work you've done to get all these great listeners, I'm gonna ruin in one day talking about NASCAR. No, I don't think so. Let me, let me text Shook now. He might be listening for all I know, but I'm gonna text Shook now because he's probably uh, down in Daytona, so he's probably not listening. Let's see here. Can you appear on my show tomorrow? With Pilkington for a Daytona report. All right, we'll see what he does here. I need to put you on this, don't I, Pilk, if you're going to be involved in it. And hopefully he won't say anything disparaging about you, but that never stops Scott Shook from doing that. No, it's all good. Hey, you know. Yeah. 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 All right. um, So today uh, they had kind of, I I don't know if you'd call it the signing day, Press conference, you know, the traditional signing day was last Wednesday, uh, but today on the day for lovers, uh, they, uh, on this Valentine's Day, uh, Mike, uh, Mike uh, Houston met with the uh, media and uh, some of the new assistants, Damon Magazoo, uh, of course, former pirate, uh, John David Baker, uh, met with the media. So, uh, there you go. That, uh, that happened today. Uh, we're gonna have our pirate report coming up with that, and we'll do that coming up, uh, next. Is this Swift? This is T Swifty.
What do you think, Pilk? She brought this big. She brought the big audience in. Yeah, yeah. Those eight-year-old girls won't be back next year when Josh Allen finds his way to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Josh Allen. Well, it's it's Mahomes' deal till they uh, till they uh, aren't there anymore. Blake Lively was there though. Not bad. I didn't like the friend with the upside down cross though. I thought that was a little much. All right. Uh, it is our Patrick Johnson show for you here on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. And uh, when we come back, we'll do a pirate report for you. Shane Winkler also going to join us uh, later in the hour as the softball pirates are 7-0. and And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome in, and uh, let's uh, start with uh, Coach Houston on our Pirate Report today. They held a media conference that uh, featured Coach Houston talking about things going on with Pirate football, the very latest with uh, signing day post uh, that uh, situation, and we'll hear from some of the assistants. We'll get to as much of this as we can. Uh, let's start with uh, Coach uh, Houston talking about the uh, departure of uh, Coach Tim Douse, who is headed now to Missouri. Well, I think you've always got to be prepared for things like this to happen. I think any time you have success uh, in certain areas, then you know you've got the potential for this to happen. Uh, you know, you can never predict it. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I said it last year, you know, I'll say it to our staff this afternoon. You know, the way Chris Foster and Tim Douse, the way they handled everything, uh, you know, on 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 their end. Uh, consummate professionalism. And so, uh, you know, you're, you, it helps you be prepared for this a little bit better. Uh, it doesn't just come out of the blue. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Blake and I have uh, been talking for the last, you know, week or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, so when Tim told me this morning that he was uh, accepting the job, uh, you know, it doesn't just blindside you. And I appreciate the job that he did. He's a, he's a good friend in addition to being uh, a quality coach and, uh, wish him all the best of luck at Pitt. Uh, but, uh, you know, thanks to that popping out five minutes later this morning, uh, my phone's blown up all morning. So, uh, we'll have a quality candidate. Uh, we've already had several, uh, uh, people that I know that are, are quality coaches reach out to us. Uh, I'm meeting with the kids here uh, in a little while just to talk to them. Uh, my number one priority is we get somebody that's going to do an outstanding job with our players. Uh, you know, our players in this program are my number one priority, and I want men that are just like Tim, uh, just like you know our current coaches that you're getting ready to talk to. I want men of character that are going to care about our players, they're going to develop our players, they're going to push our players, uh, but they're going to be more than just an on-the-field coach for them. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of individual we're looking for. It's uh, Pitt. I think I said Missouri, but it's Pitt, I guess. So, often confused. Often confused. Uh, We continue on here. Uh, The number one goal this spring is building the culture. More from Coach Houston. Well, I, I told the players and the staff, I think that's the number one goal for the spring, uh, is, you know, for all of us, uh, to really develop strong bonds with each other. And that the only way you do that is by spending time together. 
uh, and you know having you know a lot of a lot of discussions on a lot of things, but also you know a lot of discussions on things that don't have anything to do with football. Uh, you know, with the staff, uh, I've spent uh, a lot of time, and will continue to spend a lot of time throughout the spring, just talking about you know things I believe in, uh, how we're going to operate, uh, expectations. Uh, I think those things are important, and I think you're always evolving those things. I mean, I think you know after every season we've uh, adapted and changed, but I think uh, even even more so, it's important right now. Uh, I told the staff this morning in our staff meeting, you know, I really want to, you know give everybody kind of a fresh start uh you know going into the spring with a lot of things uh and so uh you know but i I think it's important for us all to be on the same page and that's the number one goal for the spring all right uh what excites him the most about the guys coming in mike houston talks about that the thing that excites you excites you the most is the quality of the talent uh you know, I think you, you talk about our high school players. Uh, I think that we signed a, an exceptionally talented group. Now, they're all going to be true freshmen. And so will they play this year or will they not play this year? We'll see. Uh, I know that I, there are several on the, on the signing list that I think have a shot. Uh, and I think that's, that, that, that's always good. Uh, I think with our transfers, I think that we were very uh, deliberate uh, with addressing certain needs. Uh, and I feel very comfortable that we were able to do that. Now, we got to get them all on the same page. And, uh, that's, that's what we got to work on this spring. But I think, uh, there's a lot that our, our returning players, there's a lot that our returning players are excited about because they have already seen, uh, you know, what some of these new guys can do. And, uh, I think that, that excites them. And uh, more from Coach Houston. He talked about the importance of getting two quarterbacks for this spring. Well, I think, uh, you know, we were very upfront with both uh, Jake and Caton uh, that we were going to try to bring in two. Uh, I think that we were very fortunate that we didn't just bring in two quarterbacks. We brought in two highly talented quarterbacks. Uh, and, you know, they both have experience. They've both been a starter. Uh, they both played at a high level. And so, and they both have eligibility remaining. Uh, it's not just a one-year uh, kind of deal. Uh, I think they both need each other. I think Raheem needs uh, those guys. I think that that room all of a sudden is highly competitive. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's important for them to have positive relationships, but it's important also for them to, to, uh, to really push each other. And, and I think we're already seeing that uh, in the stuff that they're doing, you know, on their own and uh, in the workouts. And uh, how the first day of mat drills went. The first day is never the prettiest thing in the world. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, you, you watch yesterday and we film everything. Uh, we watch as a staff and then we show it to the kids, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, but uh, I think that you have kids that uh, are seasoned veterans and that, you know, have the mentality that uh, kind of fits what that is, and they do really, really well with it. And then you've got some new guys and some freshmen out there that they're like somebody hit them in the face with a frying pan. So uh, I anticipate tomorrow morning's workout to be uh, really vastly improved. But the enthusiasm was there and uh, the effort was there. We just got to, you know, correct some of the how you compete stuff. And then uh, Coach Houston on being uh, a head coach and how that has changed uh, since he started as a head coach. I think we've created a mess. Uh, it's a pain in the rear, but uh, you know you got to navigate it and you got to adapt. Um, but it's you know it, it it really has become a uh, just a, a consuming 
deal. Uh, and I think that you've got to do a great job of trying to manage a lot of different things. And the, the, the issues are you're trying to manage things with a lot of unknowns. And uh, that's why I think you, know, you hear, you know, just overwhelmingly from all FBS head coaches is we all want some kind of guidelines and some kind of structure and some kind of, okay, this is what you can and can't do. Uh, and this is how you can do it, uh, because right now you just have a lot of, you know, gray area. Uh, and so I think that uh, you've got to try to do a great job of keeping your focus on what's important. Uh, and the things that are important to me are the people in our program, whether it's coaches, players, whomever. Uh, the, the people in our program are the priority. And then you try to, you know, with each player, and I, I tell our players is, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm here to, uh, help you. I'm here to, you know, help you reach your dreams and goals. Uh, but we gotta work together on it and we gotta communicate. And so, uh, I think you just, you gotta keep your, your focus on investing in the young men in our program and trying to help them, uh, mature and develop as players on the field and, and be men that, uh, you know, represent our program and our community in the way that we all expect. So I think that's, that's where we gotta keep our focus. All right, uh, Pilk, you were there today for this, so you saw Coach Houston as he delivered these uh, remarks. And, uh, look, I, I, Mike, last year made no bones about it. Uh, and uh, having, you know, visited with him week in and week out in person, uh, you know, I know last year was really uh, demanding and trying on him, obviously. Uh, how do you think he – did you get this – I mean, he sounded upbeat there, but I guess me listening to it. I was not there today. I'm still – Getting ready for tomorrow's game down at the Working Man's Beach, but uh, what what did you did you get the sense that he was sort of a renewed Mike Houston and looked? Uh, uh, I'm not saying he lacked enthusiasm at any point last year, but just had a little more enthusiasm maybe for for what's ahead. Yeah, I think uh, there was definitely a little more pep in his step, a little better body language. I think the fact that the coaches can now be back seeing the kids, you know, you can yes. say, Hey, I've got these great kids, but till you get them on campus, do you really know? No. Now, of course, yeah. till you get them yeah. in a game, you don't really know. Really but know. Yeah. to this yeah. point, yeah. you know, coach Big John's been with them all January. Coach Houston and his staff, they've been out on the road recruiting, but you know, he talked about that first day of Matt drills starting yesterday. And that now he has been in there with him. We were talking with Coach Harrell, and he talked about how he had a meeting with his guys yesterday, his position right, group right. guys in the middle linebacker room. And I think the fact that they are now laying eyes on these new kids, as well as laying eyes on the kids that they were impressed with last season, both on the field and in practice, younger guys who maybe didn't play as much, to have them, and they know last season is behind them, and that it's it's all optimism ahead. All right, let's, uh, you mentioned Blake Harrell. Let's hear from Blake Harrell. Uh, he talked about, uh, having so many assistants that have moved off of his staff onto bigger roles. Hit it. We've been blessed to be around some, some really awesome people, you know, just as friends, as coaches, as mentor for our players, as pirates. Uh, just, just been a blessing to, to be around those guys. And, um, you know, they've meant the world to me. They've meant the world to my family, my kids, um, and their family as well. And just really going to miss them, you know. But I think you're you're exactly right. Anytime you lose somebody to another program, it's really a compliment to your program that you're doing things right and you're doing things uh, that other people respect. And obviously, um, they they are as well as professionals. So, um, and our our players understand that. They they get that. And we wish them, you know, coach coach Dallas nothing but the best. Uh, but we're you know. 
we're excited about what's next as well. All right, uh, more from Coach Harrell, who talked about having uh, a top-rated defense last season. You know, when we first got here, we talked about BDN, best defense in the nation. It was kind of a, a pipe dream, so to speak. And, and our guys now see that within grasp, and I think it's special. But as we spoke yesterday to, to the defensive staff, or defensive uh, unit, and you've been in those meetings before, um, there's only one one goal that matters, one stat that matters, and that's getting the win. And we're doing everything we right, can right now as a as a program, as a defense, and really talking about the attention to detail, the discipline, all the core values of our program that can help us win games next next fall on Saturday. So um, that's been our main focus. You, you never want to look in the rear view at the at the at the bad. You never you never should look in the rear view at the good. You should build on it, um, fix the bad, build on the good and look forward to how you can prepare for next fall and win games. All right, uh, and uh, more from Blake Harrell. Excited to see the new guys in new roles this season. Lengthy cut, hit it. I'm so excited about our guys that are going to be stepping up and filling vacant spots that we lost through graduation. And, uh, you know, those, those guys that moved on and graduated were so awesome for us as, as Pirates and, and did so many things. And we're certainly going to miss them as a coaching staff and a program and as fans. Uh, but super excited about the, the guys that have been in our program uh, that, you know, so put in their time, so to speak, um, and they know the expectations of those positions. And, and I think they've played, you know, maybe not in a huge role. I think I'm excited about the bigger role they're going to play. Uh, I think we also have some, some young men coming into our program uh, that maybe a redshirted last fall or some couple transfers to come in that will create some competition in those rooms that will make those rooms even better. And so excited about that. Obviously, you've heard me say this before, Joe, it, it takes everybody. You know, it, it, it doesn't take one or two guys on defense or one starter. You know, on our side of the ball, we, we play some depth, so we got to make sure we're building some depth. And at the same time, that's that's one of the things that when a guy does leave or graduate, you still have another guy that's played and he's not fresh and you're not um, looking at a whole, totally new face. All right, uh, and um, let's see here. Uh, was that a little Joey football question there, huh? How about uh, the middle linebacker room? I'm excited about the linebacker room. I really am. And, and um, you know, just going back and watching cut-ups, and you're certainly going to miss guys that have left. And uh, Bruce Bivens stepped in the room yesterday asking if he had any eligibility left, uh, you know, those type of things. But just really excited. You know, obviously Mike Edwards is a – Started almost every game for us last season. Excited about him. I think Zakai Barker played some for us last year. Uh, Day-Day Wilson, Damian Wilson is a young man that that's uh, now added to that room, as well as some guys that we registered last fall, and D.J. Johnson, Julian Davis. So I think we have a little, lot of good competition in that room, um, and those guys are spending extra time. We had our meeting yesterday just to kind of review some things and, and talk about uh, some different ways we can improve as a defense and individuals. And I got done with the meeting. They all sat there and, and I said, you, you guys going to watch some film? They said, yeah, Coach, we're going to watch some film. And so I, I popped up and left just to give them their own time. And next thing I know, I walked back by the room, and they're on the board drawing up and, and uh, checking things out, quizzing each other. So uh, when you see stuff like that, you, you know that you have the right type of culture in your program. That's pretty awesome. All right, uh, Damon Magazoo, former Pirate, had that great interception against uh, – uh, Wilson and the uh, Wolfpack to uh, seal that game against NC State all of those years ago. Uh, he talked about the importance of uh, the pre-snap understanding. 
I think it, it starts with a mindset in meetings and, and, you know, explaining to the guys how much work can be done pre-snap. If we wait for everything post-snap and become, you know, reactionary to everything, it, we're going to be a step slower or a step behind. Um, now, we may make a play where it's a PBU or a catch tackle for three, four, five yards, uh, but I think the big piece is understanding uh, the urgency that it takes to get aligned, get the call, and then you got to ID the formation, understand the situation, splits, are they flip aligned, where's the back, um, and understanding all that within a couple of seconds. And so I think there's so much pre-snap teaching and um, understanding that goes into it before now all of a sudden, now you're playing the play almost before it happens. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of that is going on right now in, you know, workouts. What is your urgency to just get aligned and get ready at that cone, whatever it may be? Um, and so preaching that that urgency and understanding of everything pre-snap, it, to me, is the biggest piece right now before we even get to anything post-snap. Because, uh, again, there's a lot that goes on that, you know, you can get tells from an offense uh, to be able to help you post-snap. Magazoo on being a former player for the Pirates, now turned Pirate coach. Well, I don't know if I would have made plays earlier. <laughs> uh, I think um, sometimes my career gets, you know, uh, exaggerated with, with one play. Uh, but I, I was blessed to be able to be here and, and, and play for a couple years. And um, I don't think I necessarily tried to look at it as if I'm the player um, you know there is always that percent in your mind from you know your recent playing history um, but it's what works best for that individual young man how can you get a point across to that young man um, and trying to do that differently for each each kid because you know we all learn differently we all think differently and, and building that relationship and trust of open communication you know back and forth to be able to get exactly what we need we need done for that specific call and um, again each player kind of reacts differently to you know coaching and how to coach and things like that so trying to find that common ground with each individual to me right now uh, is a big piece all right and uh, let's uh, hear from did we play uh, we play yeah we did okay uh, let's go to John David Baker uh, when asked about how he incorporates past offenses into this one it's grown a lot over time, but it's really just the core principles of the offense and keeping, keeping things really simple for the guys and making sure that we're asking them to go do things that they're good at. You know, we talk to our guys all the time about just not trying to put a square peg in a round hole, make sure we're asking guys to go do things that they're good at and, and finding different ways to do that. But the run game is, is something that I've known for a long time, played in it, um, but obviously been in it the last few years at Ole Miss. And then just finding the right blend, which I think we've kind of done over the last couple of years there. Uh, and then uh, let's uh, skip eight right now and go to nine really quick, Pilk, on how he will decide on what scheme to, uh, what run scheme to go with. Yeah, a little bit of that is, is personnel, what, what fits our team best. Um, you know, a couple of years ago at Ole Miss, we were a better outside zone team than we were inside zone. And then the next year, we were a better inside zone team. And it all kind of just fit off of the guys we had up front, but also those running backs, what they had a better feel for. It's kind of what I was talking about a second ago. Like, if a guy's not great at running inside zone, I'm not going to keep him asking. I'm not going to keep asking them to do it. That's just that's bad coaching. And so finding things that our guys do well and then trying to get as good as we can at those things. 
It's kind of interesting, some of that there, not not uh, running the same thing over and over again. All right. Uh, here's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Here's, uh, here's Coach Baker. <laughs> well, here's Coach Baker on uh, his previous knowledge of Jake Garcia. <laughs> Jake is uh, it's kind of interesting now that we've been all over the place, but Jake and I had a previous relationship um, back when I was at USC. Jake was coming out of high school um, at La Habra. And, uh, you know, was actually committed to us at USC for a long time. Uh-huh. Then COVID hit, you know, he moved to Georgia and whatnot. But, uh, I love Jake when we recruited him. Uh, this was back in like 2019. Um, but I just loved his personality. Obviously his skill set. Um, he's got a, a really good skill set. Um, but I always loved him as a kid. And so we had a chance to, you know, add him to our team and add him to our room. It was a, it was a no brainer in my mind. You call yourselves the mailman as far as quarterback goes. Where does that moniker kind of come from? It's uh, it's something I took from my college offense coordinator. That's uh, what we called ourselves. And, and really, if you look at just the most consistent, one of the most consistent jobs in America, it's a mailman. And if rain, sleet, or snow, it don't matter. That that mail gets delivered. And that's got to be our mindset of it doesn't matter what the situation is, you know, what the environment is, what the score is. We got to get the job done, and we got to deliver the mail. Um, you know, whatever the circumstances may be. All right, uh, today's pirate report. Interesting stuff there. I got Joey football with his nose right in the middle of it. All right, let's. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. I'll take blame on that. I apologize. No, 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 no. That's good. I, I, I think that's. I'd rather have some of our uh, people like I go and you and Joey football and Dom Kasulki and uh, I guess even Scooter. Does Scooter know anything about football? I'd, I'd rather have uh, those people. Uh, then, you know, somebody else. I think we're going to lose. I don't want to hear Dom say that, but uh, you know what I'm saying. All right, uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game sports flash update and pirate report before Shane Winkler joins us. Thanks, P-Man. We will start in live pirate sports as the lacrosse team is currently up on Gardner-Webb 11-5 to in the closing seconds of the third quarter. If the Pirates do hang on throughout the fourth, which and now the fourth just started, it, they will improve to two and oh. Last night, the softball team improved to seven and oh in dramatic fashion when D.H. Conley grad Anna Sawyer hit a walk-off bases clearing double with two outs in the bottom of the seventh inning to lift the Pirates over the North Dakota State Bison five to four. Tonight, women's basketball will be back in action as they take on the Rice Owls at eight o'clock. The Owls come into this one at eight and four in league play. The Pirates come in at seven and four and on a three game win streak. Looking over at the baseball side of things right now, more preseason accolades were given out earlier today as Danny Bill was named to the NCBWA Stopper of the Year watch list, which the association gives out to the best relief pitcher of the season. And tomorrow night, the men's basketball team will be back in action as they host Wichita State. The Pirates defeated the Shockers back on January 24th, and Coach Schwartz said the Shockers team looks much better than they did when the teams met just a few weeks ago. I think they're playing better basketball than they were. I think they're playing really, really good basketball. It was a rock fight in Wichita, 54-52. to They have had multiple close losses where they have played really good basketball. That game can be heard right here on 94.3. The game starting with a 6.30 airtime for that just after 7 o'clock tip. The Pirate Special Teams Coordinator and Outside Linebackers Coach Tim Douse has accepted a new job. He will now be the defensive line coach at 
the University of Pittsburgh. He was named to the Pirate staff in January of 2021. Shocking news out of San Francisco today is Kyle Shanahan has fired defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. This is Wilkes' first season with the team after he was with the Panthers a year ago. And the 49ers ranked 8th in total defense. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report and Sports Flash Update. On the other side of this timeout, we'll be joined by Pirate Head softball coach Shane Winkler. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Yeah, 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 it sure is. Uh, tomorrow, Pirate Basketball, we will... Uh, have coverage for you beginning at 5 o'clock. Philip the Ref Pilkington, I think you've got Shook confirmed for tomorrow, Pilk. Sounds like we'll be talking some racing. Yeah, Robin is racing. Uh, let's uh, we'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Uh, we have uh, a great guest with us right now. Thank you for being with us, and uh, thanks to Shane Winkler for being with us. Uh, he, of course, is the uh, third-year softball head coach for ECU, and they are off to a magnificent 7-0 and start. Never in doubt yesterday, the Pirates walking it off in the uh, seventh inning with a uh, four-run frame uh, to win it 5-4. to four. Coach, uh, great to talk to you uh, as always, and I've uh, always enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I hope I hadn't annoyed you yet because uh, you're going to be kind of stuck with me all season. No, not at all, not at all. Thanks for having me, Patrick. <laughs> uh, like, like you said, great, great, great night last night. Uh, we had an off day today and pull, pulling it off last last inning there made today a lot more enjoyable off day well and I, i'm not gonna tell tales outside of school but did you get out today on your off day did you, you don't have to go into details you can if you want but were you able to kind of get out today i did we, we had we had seven games in six days so myself okay. and the girls i know a little worn out so i i got myself on the golf course for a little bit and now okay uh, all right like tickle ball coach I'm, I'm watching some softball well, I was going to say, Coach Winkler's got the ultimate man cave at his home. This is what he's t- told me. And so he's watching, constantly watching softball and video. <laughs> um, Learning. Learning. Well, how'd, you, how'd you, sh- yeah, I know. How'd you shoot today? What'd you shoot? Uh, I, I, I was somewhere in the 80s. It, okay. It, it, all right. There you go. That's not usually, bad. Usually I'm trying, yeah, usually I'm trying to be low 90s, but I, I, I had a good day. Oh, good. Good for you. Okay. Pilk, you ought to go play with them sometime. All right, uh, Shane Winkler's with us here. Let's get uh, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, the the win yesterday uh, moves you to uh, seven and zero, uh, and that was a really good team you played in North Dakota State. They've they've got great tradition, have a national championship in their history. Uh, when you look at uh, yesterday's game, uh, it seemed to me that maybe some of Emma Jackson, who was the player of the week. Uh, Dalton, who's a great catcher, boy, I love I love her game. She threw out a runner yesterday. It, it seemed to me that uh, they were a little uh, maybe over aggressive and pressing. That's just my unexpert eye. What did you see from your team yesterday? Uh, did you think they were a l- pressing a little early? You know, I, all, all the credit early on in the game goes to North Dakota State. I mean, their their coaching staff called a great game. They kept us off balance for. For six innings. I mean, we, we didn't really get an opportunity to put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, their pitcher changed speeds a lot, and we were out front a lot, and uh, really had a lot of easy outs early on. But uh, credit to our group to keep chipping away and, and putting pressure on in the last inning. We 
we came up in the last with the bottom of our lineup up and the way our lineup set up is uh we we got your kind of your typical leadoff type and then one one two type hitters at the bottom and they they set the tone uh and then as as everyone kind of saw what Anna Sawyer did to to walk the game off but uh we we finally had opportunity to put pressure on them put a couple hard balls in play and uh that that was key um Wanted to find out what uh, exactly uh, you were thinking there as you went into that final inning. Um, you'd started to get a little bit of success and put some things together. So what was your message to the team as you went into the bottom of the seventh? You know, we, we talked real quick about just tough at bats. Tough at bats, be tough enough to adjust. And that, that was the key. Uh, we, we were going on our uh, fourth, fourth time, third, fourth time through the lineup. So we, we knew what we were going to get. Uh, a couple hitters were gonna were gonna sit on an off speed pitch and and finally put one of those in play hard and and we did that but it was just making that ad- adjustment and, and being being experienced enough hitters like we have to to finally adjust and and again put pressure on them and we we did that right away with some base runners and you do that uh, even even trailing the, the pressure gets in the circle this this early in the season and and we took advantage so it's just again an exciting way to to finish the game. How about Anna Sawyer, who uh, got the game-winning hit, was down two strikes in uh, 2 in fact, in that at-bat. Were there two outs at the time, or was there just one? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there, was, uh, there were two outs. We, we grounded okay, out right so, before. Yeah, out. that's right. So so two outs, down 0-2, bases loaded, trailing by uh, two runs at that point, yep. uh, and then she just lifts a ball that uh, – Carried and hit it to the a part of the park where the ball had really not carried to all day because of the wind. I don't think a whole lot of balls were hit out the right field yesterday. Uh, but she gets that hit. Take us through her at bat and then just, uh, you know, what kind of young lady she is, especially being a D.H. Conley uh, product. Yeah, it re- really proud of her. I mean, that, that going back to even last year as a freshman, I think she didn't have the type of success that she really expected to have coming in, and it kind of shows just how tough it is at this level that offensively uh, to jump straight in from high school and uh, to start for a, for a quality program. But Anna put in a ton of work in the off season. Uh, she got stronger, got more explosive and, but she's one in that situation that, that you're going to want up at the plate because she's not going to strike out very often. Uh, you're not going to beat her on the same pitch twice. And that pitcher threw a changeup earlier in the, uh, in the at bat that, that she was pulled on and took for a strike and, uh, like I was telling someone last night after the game, she, she went back to the well one, one too many times for, for a hitter like Anna Sawyer. So she sat back even on a two strike change up and, and, and delivered. She, she unloaded on it one hop the wall. Uh, we were able to clear the bases there, but just, uh, just a tough at bat. And, and again, her, her showing as a sophomore being, um, being a little more experienced and, and being, being able to make an adjustment, not from at bat to at bat, which she has always done a good job of, but, Within the at bat, and that that was that was really clutch because again, I, I think our team was was pressing a little bit the first time we've been behind this season, but but to put the pressure on, and we told the girls afterwards we get 21 outs for a reason. As long as we got one left, we still got a shot, and uh, we we took advantage of every one of them. It is uh, Shane Winkler. The Pirates are off to a 7-0 start, their uh, best start in uh, nearly a generation uh, to begin a year, and uh, Coach Winkler in his third season. Uh, five freshmen and seven transfer portal players uh, with uh, the likes of Logan Sutton and uh, uh, the aforementioned Sawyer and uh, 
some of your players in the circle returning. So how have you meshed the returners and the newcomers and have, how have you blended all this together? It, it started from the fall. I mean, that, that was the goal all fall long is to get comfortable with the, the players together and the, the players with the staff and try to find or find what pieces we're going to fit, uh, just setting up a batting order and defensively where, where some new faces we're going to play. Because uh, we got a couple kids playing spots for the first time in their career, in their collegiate career after after transferring. But but really, the, the fall was was a big part of that. I mean, we we get our eight fall games that we get to take advantage of, but we also scrimmage a lot. Uh, we did so throughout the month of January, also just to just to get players comfortable, get 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 players again, getting comfortable playing with each other, but. Uh, some players that transferred in from Power Fives may not have been starting every day at their previous school. So getting comfortable, getting four or five at-bats a day and, and being able to make adjustment from at-bats to at-bat, uh, kind of in, in comparison to being a, a pinch hitter off the bench where a couple of them were in the past. So uh, we're, we're still going to be learning through the first month of the season and in those type of roles and continuing to grow. So even though we're off to a, a really good start, we have some offensive players that, that have swung the bat real well. Uh, we have some pitchers that are off to good starts. We we still feel like we've got a lot of areas that we're going to continue to improve on, and that's that's going to be the key over the next 18 home games is to set ourselves up for conference play and continue to improve. Let me ask you a little bit about uh, when you take over a program where there were some uh, uh, some challenges as far as the culture, uh, not necessarily the players' fault, but uh, just uh, some things that uh, maybe weren't where they needed to be, you know, for a a thriving culture. So that was the big charge when you got the job, wasn't it, to try to establish uh, not only a winning culture but the appropriate culture you need to to be able to you know produce just successful human beings in the world. Yeah, that, that was the most important thing we did the first two seasons. Obviously, you want to come out and, and learn how to win, like you said, and, and we, we've talked about that and what it takes to win, uh, and that and that's part of part of a culture. And sometimes uh, the re- the results don't match the the work that you're putting in and. Uh, and, and what you're talking about every day, but you, you got to learn how to win. But uh, the biggest thing is we wanted an environment that the girls love being a part of, that they look forward to getting to the weight room together, getting getting out to the field. They look forward to working with our staff and being around our staff. And I mean, everyone talks about that, that family paradigm, that family environment. I mean, that, that is the way ours is. If you spend any time around our practice, around our team meetings, it's it's a ton of fun, a ton of laughs, and. Uh, that's the way we want it because we, we want the girls to be laid back and, and comfortable in their own skin and, and get an opportunity to, to be themselves on the, on the field. And we've, we've established that. We did that early on. We've had some great kids. And, uh, the big part, like I said, of this fall was bringing in so many newcomers. Uh, but the reason that we got the seven transfers that we did is because of what our culture is. When we get on the phone with a recruit, a transfer, whether, whether it's transfer high school kid, that's the first thing we talked about is what our culture is like, what it's going to be like being a part of our program. And when we get the right talent in, which we believe we have, that's going to be the secret to our success is that our girls enjoy getting better together. And we're, we're in the middle of that right now. Hey, Shane, thank you for the time. We'll get you back on again uh, later on this spring. But uh, congratulations on the big win yesterday. Congratulations on the good round of golf. And uh, we'll see you here uh, a week from this weekend. We'll have uh, more ESPN Plus broadcasts. Great. Appreciate you, Pastor. All right. There you go. Shane Winkler. Great job. Uh, great guy and a real, uh, 
real uh, winning culture that he's bringing to the Pirate softball program. So thanks to Winkler. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Philip the Rep Pilkington will be in. Scott Shook from Daytona. Have the dump button ready. And uh, I'll be back uh, Friday for a special 3 o'clock edition leading into Pirate Baseball. Uh, so have a great rest of your evening. Say happy Valentine's to your spouse or significant other. And uh, we will uh, greet you on the TV tomorrow, ESPN Plus for Wichita State and ECU. And then in the morning on uh, Talk of the Town. Have a great evening, everybody. choice.